Pints and Politics is a weekly discussion program of all things political, coming to you through the facilities of Trent Radio, CFFF in Peterborough, 92.7 on your FM dial. My name is Bill Templeman. In addition to this radio show, Pints and Politics is streamed live from the Trent Radio website. We also have a podcast at pintsandpolitics.ptbopodcasters.ca. And these podcasts are also available on iTunes. And every Thursday, a smallish crew gathers at the Garnet Pub, Elmer and Hunter in Peterborough at 5 p.m. for an informal gathering where we're about... Uh we're at, we talk about all things political. Uh, all are welcome. Please join us. We post on Twitter at Bill Temp and on the Cooperate Peterborough Facebook page. Joining me today is Jason Walwork. Oh, Jason, thanks for making the time. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So, Jason, uh, you're running an autonomy ward, and this is your first time running, right? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, good for you. Okay. Start off with, uh, as you're discovering, you know, you're knocking on doors now, correct? I'm uh, doing a little bit of it, not a lot yet. They, uh, I find that the hot weather is difficult for me so I'm one of these guys that you, you can obviously tell I'm saying <laughs> yeah right no no why are you doing this why are you running because it's so much work and it's going on for another two months well I think the big thing is that you know over the years I've always I've always wanted to run to get involved in politics I decided this election that what happened with PDI really annoyed them. and it's not just the outcome of it because I could be satisfied if they presented you no know, sufficient evidence this is why we need to sell and they convince the public to go along with it. That's one thing. But I think the way they did it was just what we're going to do. You know, we'll have a couple public meetings, but 80% of the public was used to this, and yet the majority still. That's that's my big issue. But the other issue is that I don't see a lot of people on council that represent people like me. Um, that's of low income. But you know, I live in a rental, live in a rental apartment. I don't know how many councillors actually rent. You know, the problems mm-hmm. that renters face. And and my wife, um, basically, my wife and I live on about twenty thousand dollars. You know, so I'd like to bring that perspective the council great now what else about your background would you like to uh, share that uh, sort of links to uh, maybe some of the uh, challenges you're going to be facing on council well i've organized uh, a linux user group in peterborough so i started that about just probably about 20 years ago now so it's basically like a computer club it's not huge but you know i got it off its feet and got it going it's still going now today so i'm taking that over also, I've been involved in some local groups in Peterborough, the Income Working Group, trying to see the, the that. I've been trying to go to what community events I can as well. So I'm I'm listening. I think the big thing is that I'm a listener and I want to learn more. You know, one of the major things in my life is that I'm always learning more. I don't want to be just uh, have an opinion that's dead set. That's the way it is. That's the way it is because I know better. You know, I always <laughs> think there's an opportunity to find out that you're wrong. So and, and to me, that's you need to be open, I think, to account. You mentioned poverty and solutions to poverty. What could the city and by extension, the community do to about poverty and, and a, well, and linked to that uh, about the lack of jobs. Well, bringing jobs in is always is always a difficult thing to do. I think that Peter Rill needs to recruit, do better at recruiting businesses. You know, we, we have an economic development agency here. I think perhaps maybe, maybe more funding towards that to try to bring in people. A lot of people might po- try to point at taxes and stuff as being an issue. That doesn't really convince me because you, if you just lower taxes for and that's the reason they come here, 
then as soon as you slightly increase taxes, they leave. And to me, most businesses don't locate in an area because of So I don't think that's one of the going about it. But I do appreciate that maybe there's regulations. Um, I certainly think that maybe we could do better at, at helping people to do startups from every walk of life, not just people who have money that are starting a business, people on low income, help people on poverty. And, um, because certainly that's something that now, I don't know if it's available for Ontario Works, but at least for ODSP clients, you know, that you can actually have a business you know, basically being self-employed, doing contract work, but you know, handling and all your... Yeah, I think a real focus on small business where most of the jobs come to get Peterborough out there in a better way. I also think the city needs to look at, needs to do a better job at uh, talking to the province and actually advocating for people of poverty. For example, I really haven't heard much of anything about the recent decision of the, the uh, new government in, in Ontario to um, basic income pilot, for example. I know it's not something that's directly in Peterborough, but I'd like to see council say, you know, wait a second, you know, at least finish the study. It's a scientific study finish it you know otherwise we spend all that money and it's not just Lindsay that spent the money it's Ontario so. now as, as you're uh, well aware Peterborough used to be a manufacturing hub you know mm -hmm. GE used to employ I'm told over five or six thousand people there used to even be a GE bus or several of them that weave through the community picking up workers in the morning for the morning shift and, mm -hmm. and Peterborough was something of a you know a manufacturing juggernaut for a city its size of course all that's gone so where is the next move what, what should Peterborough economic development and business community, where should they be looking? Well, it's interesting you mentioned the, the manufacturing background in Peterborough. My father worked at Oakwood Marine for about 40 some years of his life. And, you know, and we saw that eventually totally shut down and Oakwood Marines, or sorry, GE is pretty much in that same situation. Except, So yeah, it's really changed since I was a kid. Uh, I mean, I'm 47 now. So yeah, I grew up I've lived all my life in Peterborough. So oh, I, so you are a local. Exactly. Huh? Oh, yes. Wonderful. So I've seen I've seen how Peterborough has changed. I've seen how the downtown has changed. I remember the Eaton Center. I remember you are I remember Portage Place when it was busy when it first opened and it was seen to be there and everything. No. Do you remember the streetcars? I don't remember the streetcars. Okay. No. No. <laughs> I don't go that far back. But that's, <laughs> that sounded pretty that sounds pretty cool though. I, yeah. I I find that interesting. So as far as where we go now, I think the fact that we we have a university and college here. I think we need to really look at knowledge. We need to look at, there's a lot more jobs that can be done remotely. We need to, and I'm not sure how you exactly stir that up, but I think we need to develop ourselves more as a tech hub where people that are, are basically highly skilled and Peterborough, Peterborough citizens are pretty skilled by and large, have very good backgrounds at how we can. Okay. Now you, you mentioned uh, right off the bat that PDI is a major issue for you and you stated your position. What's your position on some of the other issues that are bound to come across your desk should you be elected? Uh, you know, I'm thinking, of course, the perennial <laughs> parkway. <laughs> In addition to the parkway, of course, the, the whole uh, official plan review that's unfolding. Then there's the annexation of lands south of the city. Where, where are you on those issues? Well, I do think with the, the parkway, and again, this is uh, one of those things where I talk about that part of the problem is, is not necessarily even the outcome. Part of the problem is how we actually talk about these issues. One of the things, on my, and I've got it on my website that talk about it, is I want to have um, citizen councils. So I want to have in 
each ward. And of course, I can only just this for my own ward mm-hmm. um, if I win. But I want to see, actually have councils that deliberate on issues that are important to them and deliver that message to their local council. It should just be a thing. Obviously, it has to legally be an advisory committee, but I would like to actually deliver those messages to council from committees. And I want them and I want the committees to be randomly chosen. So that, or at least randomly invite it, you know, they wouldn't be so much chosen as you'd invite, uh, maybe, you know, you might invite 300, 500 people and you might end up with. So almost like jury on. duty? Kind of. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good way of putting it actually. And a lot of people who say, oh, that's, that thing would never work. And I'm like, well, we, we decide people's fate, yeah. you know, whether or not they're going to be locked up for so many years of their life or whether they're going to be charged or, <laughs> you know, or have a record based on, yeah. on that. So why don't we have something like that for democracy? Yeah, now uh, the city does have these advisory committees, but one applies to it. And once you're on the advisory committee, uh, you have a term and then the city invites applications, but the city decides who gets on those committees and who doesn't. So this would be something that be a bit more representative, correct? Exactly, exactly. And it, and it might be that committees are struck for a specific issue and then they're dispensed and the new committees formed for another. So you might do things like that. Um, Victoria has done that. Taiwan has a kind of a process like that. Mm-hmm. Iceland has been working with that. So there are parts, you know, in the world where they're experimenting with, but it, you know, it's not something that's totally new, but you're right. The, the problem is, is that the advisory committees that they have, um, you might apply the first time and they might say, yeah, we'll put you on the committee. But you know, if you squawk too much or squawk about the wrong things they can also have you taken off of the like when your term ends (laughs) you know what i mean you're done so and i know situations where you know counselors that i've talked to where people have not played ball so to speak okay now we talked about uh, i mentioned a few other the issues what about the parkway what's you know i i don't want to put you on the spots for against i mean you're free to say what you whatever you're going to say but what's the way forward with that what should be done well the province has already said that if we want to do anything with it we'd have to have a, a a new environmental study so that's kind of in in the court of you know what where council goes forward from there personally i think with the parkway and and i have been in the past an advocate of it because it was part of the official plan it was something that you know urban planners have said this is something we need and they've said it for a lot of years and we've been kind of building it piecemeal to the point that now it's kind of like why don't we fill in the sections that I know part of the big opposition I at least from what I understand to the parkway is the bridge over Jackson so I would argue that if we can if we can do it without the bridge and that makes people more at ease um, with it then we should do that but ultimately, I would say this would be something to me that a citizen council would then deliberate on, say, this is what we want to do. So and make a recommendation, you know, based on because I, I, I honestly don't know whether it's I've heard so many different opinions. I don't know whether it's best or not. The only thing I can probably I can probably say that I agree with is that we should probably finish the um, portion, if I'm remembering correctly, from Concilla to um, might as well do that portion because we already have two two pieces of parkway that are connected. I understand. Makes sense to me to at least do that part. Okay. Now, uh, another issue that's, uh, that's bound to come across, of course, is the um, Ontario government, I should say the former government, not, not the Ford administration, but uh, Kathleen Wynne's government, came up with intensity guidelines for Ontario cities and towns. Mm-hmm. And the impact of that in Peterborough has been uh, that we need to start building up more and stop expanding out onto precious farmland. Mm-hmm. And the city has tried to get a, 
something of a reduction in those guidelines. What do you feel about that? Where do you stand on that one? Yeah, uh, I think the guidelines are quite aggressive. I think the province, even before the Ford government, we, we probably don't even know what their opinion on that is yet. But the Ford government, before, or sorry, the, um, the Wynn government before had established aggressive guidelines. But I think they also made it clear that if those guidelines, if those guidelines are too difficult, then they understand they might have to be adjusted. So they're saying, this is what we think. You know, I think there's room for negotiation in that. I think downtown, for example, I, I seem to recall that they were talking about, forgive me if I'm wrong, because I'm going by memory here, but uh, I attended some city council meetings and they were talking about this. But I think that they have about 80, 80 persons and businesses per, what is it, per hectare? Square? Yeah, per hectare, right. And they want to get it up to like 150 or something like that. So they're saying that in they're saying and you know in order to do that across Peterborough that the big problem isn't the downtown the big problem is everywhere else we would have to increase the intensity a lot more because we're so far below preset so I I think we definitely have to do that I I don't think we can just um as far the Millbrook annexation from what I understand is uh, or Cavan South Monaghan sorry from what I understand it's for industrial land is it yeah. is it not yeah. So I don't know, you know, industrial land is probably not something you can easily build up on, <laughs> you know, top of companies don't want to be on top of other companies, I suppose. But, you know, if it's needed, perhaps, but, you know, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an urgent thing. Maybe the planners feel that it is different than the issue, but I don't see that. I, I don't know of any companies that have turned away because we don't have industrial land. Right. Now, another issue you, you may well hear about, uh, well, will no doubt come up in the next four years, of course, is the location of the next hockey arena, the replacement mm -hmm. for the MEM Centre. Now, right now, it's it's in Autonomy Ward or just on the border of Autonomy? Yeah, you know I believe, yeah, it is an, it is an Autonomy Ward right now because it's south of Lansdowne and pretty much all the area south of Lansdowne before you cross the... Uh, so where should it go? Yeah, actually, I, I kind of agree with the idea of putting it downtown. I think there's been you know a lot of discussion that that's what a, a lot of councillors do want to do. And, and I agree that I think that it would help the downtown and give them a... Um, we're already going to have a you know casino in the, the south end. So it doesn't make sense maybe to put those two, two things too close together. Even though they don't serve exactly the same purpose, they're two entertainment you know areas, and it would make more sense, I think, to have one down. As to where downtown, I I'm not sure. I know that they've looked at no frills as as a potential area. There's a few different areas. I mean, even GE, I've wondered about. It's not exactly downtown, but I wonder with all the that space now that you know, I suppose it would be pretty expensive for the cleanup, but still, you know, it, it might be an area that might bring bring some more prosperity to that area. Now, in, in terms of the next sort of development push there's been much talk about well peterborough's downtown is always an issue in elections mm -hmm. in that people have attitudes about it some people love downtown spend time downtown typically those are the people who live in town ward <laughs> yes, that's where it is <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. there are people out in the surrounding wards sometimes they're pretty negative on downtown what are you hearing about that Kind of what what I feel is that it really depends on what you're going downtown for. Mm -hmm. So if people are going downtown to enjoy restaurants, I mean, you know, Hunter Street and everything has such a selection of great restaurants. I think that attracts a lot of people to the downtown and, you know, from across all the different wards. But I think for a lot of people, I think, yeah, the downtown is kind of kind of looking a little bit run down, maybe from what we used to remember it. You know, I don't want to put down the downtown, but, you know, when I was a kid, it was a much more happening place. 
Oh, could you say some more about that? What do you mean? Well, when I was a kid, they had the Eaton Small. So Peterborough Square was actually like the, you know, the busy place. I mean, of course, we had Lansdowne Place that, you know, came later, but it was very busy. I used to go to PCBS, you know, now a different school altogether. So I'd go there for lunch and, you know, I'd play arcade games or something and come back, you know, during that time. And it it was much busier than it is nowadays. And we didn't have the issue. And and this is not at all an an, uh, attack on home people we do have like a you know a, a panhandling issue town and i mm-hmm. think for some people that i you know not being a person of much income myself find it difficult to give change to you know other people when i'm trying to get by as well so i i do when i can but i know it's a difficult process and i know for a lot of people that can and that also and that, i think that also affects how people perceive the downtown because if they're going there during the daytime that tends to be more of an issue than it'll. if you're going to a restaurant in the evening and stuff, there's less chance of, um, although later evening it can get pretty fun. <laughs> I suppose with the bars and the, the so forth. So. Those are the Trent and Fleming students. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and just people overall. Like, it's funny to me that in our community, I was at a debate where they were, they were discussing uh, Tim Hortons in the North End. And they are talking, or was Tim Hortons? or No, so I'm sorry. I think it was a Starbucks. Anyway, they were, you know, discussing having this and they were discussing traffic and they're discussing this. And, and I thought to myself, like, I wonder if, I, and I haven't, I've only been participating in council in the last year, but I wonder if they have that much of an issue in discussing, you know, when a new bar opens up now. Because I think, um, you know, now I don't personally drink and I don't have a problem with people drinking, but I think there is a lot of drinking to excess that causes problems. And they, you know, I, I wonder whether or not maybe we should be having some restraint on the number of new. Um, as far as the uh, panel handling goes, of course, the issue is, is that if you, you don't give people on Ontario Works you know, $700 a month to live on, and if they don't have a home, they get less, <laughs> much less. So that's what's going to happen. You're going to have people panhandling. So, so what is the causes poverty there? Yeah, so so what is the fix there for, for both homelessness and panhandling? What have you heard that would work in Peterborough? I haven't heard a lot of people giving ideas about it other than in the anti-poverty, like the working group that I've been involved in. They've talked about housing. One of the big things they say is that if people don't have enough money to eat, well, part of it is because they pay too high rents. More people become homeless because the rents are so high that they can't stay in their homes. Uh, have you talked about uh, the example of Medicine Hat in your group? What they did out there is they decided to let's build, you know, simple accommodation for everyone. And so they eliminated homelessness and suddenly they're saving all sorts of money on social services, law enforcement, uh, medical stuff. I hadn't heard specifically about Medicine Hat. So I like that yeah. you brought that to my attention. But I do believe that, yes, we need to have simple, affordable housing for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I appeared before council in the budget for 2019. And I said, specifically on that i said we should take some of the money from the pdi sale and we should direct that towards building affordable housing directly Uh, and i don't mean just proceeds from it i mean we should use some of the 55 million that they figure will be left to actually build affordable housing (laughs) and had one counselor was said to me well no 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 we're saving that we're saving that you know so that we have the interest like coming off of that and everything because you know that's an investment we want to keep that and i said well housing's an investment <laughs> so we got to look at actually you know trying to avoid these these future difficulties we have by building more affordable housing dealing with the issue we have now but also trying to prevent it you know future 
And I also think we need to have more portable wrench supplements, something the city does, but it doesn't do, I think, to a great enough degree. So I think we need to have more of those. I've, you know, at times I've thought, depending on how, you know, progressive I happen to be that particular day <laughs> or radical, I feel that the city should actually contribute to um, the social system. And what I mean is I know that the, like over the years, the city was contributing a portion and then it was, it was downloaded and then it was uploaded. So back to the province. And I think the city still pays a portion of it, but what we should be doing if the province is, has cut back what the city needs to pay into it in the past. And I think the city maybe should add on to what that is. So at least the bottom, at least Ontario works for top up and maybe people know DSP see a smaller top up. So I don't know if that's really a platform of mine or it's just something I would like to see that, you know, we actually help out people in the, the city with the lowest income. And I don't think it has to add on to taxes because we have money, we have monies that are gonna be coming in from the um, casino revenue, three to $4 million a year. And we'll have some investment from even if we build affordable housing with part of it, we'll still be looking at a you know a couple million or something. Now, there's a recent uh, decision to uh, to pause. I guess that's the kindest word. The building of the new Brock Mission to do right. some more research on costs. What should happen there? Well, it was interesting. I was at the council, and a lot of people were uh, upset. I think on the the poverty side, but there were some people I know. I'm trying to think in particular, John Hennessy. I think is he actually was saying that this is he was happy that council put a pause on it because he thought they were spending a ridiculous amount of money to house. I think it was a total of. I'm trying to think now. Was it 36 altogether? I can't remember. I know there was going to be some housing in it that was actually permanent housing. Oh, so that yeah, so that was part of it, which I think is great you know kind of in transition housing the idea is they can start renting at a place and and you know over time they can get into regular housing so i think that's great but if you look at how much they spend on per room or you know they they call them all apartment units and i don't think they're all apartment units but if you even if you consider them all apartment units and you look at what they spent per apartment it ends up being about 350 or 450 thousand dollars per apartment and and then at the same council meeting where they passed that they had they were building a couple of dual apartments two apartments for people that were blind or partially blind and they were doing them for, you know, for both of them for like $200,000. So you kind of look at it and you go, okay, now I know Brock Mission is different. I realize that when, you know, they're dealing with homeless, they probably also be providing meals and they'd be doing that. So there's parts of that cost that we worked in. There's supervision, there's administrative staff. But, you know, part of it, when I appeared before council talking with the budget, I also said, why is it that, you know, you can get an apartment for uh, $800 a month? For a one bedroom apartment and the city is spending about 1500 1400 to 1500 dollars like you know per per month or whatever i'm thinking this doesn't make sense to me so something so when we're taught you're talking about medicine hat there for example i think we should be i do we we definitely need a shelter and we need a rock mission so i'm not you know against that happening but i think we need to do it we need to look at doing it a cheaper way a more sustainable way and i think we need to build more um, housing that's outside of that as well. More simple housing, tiny houses was another option that was looked. The idea is that shelters should only be temporary and then moved on. And obviously transitional housing could be a part of that. I respect it. Brock Mission at least is trying to put that in place, but the cost, the, the reason council backed off on it was because the count, the cost rose astronomically in you know a, a one and a half year, two year period. Yeah. I mean, they went over 40 some percent. So what what's going on there? <laughs> 
Now, what else are you hearing at the doors, or uh, to frame it another way, what do you think you're likely to hear more of as the campaign unfolds and you go door to door? Well, I think a lot of people are just waking up to the fact there's a you know municipal election coming on. So you know, even though the news has put a lot about it, I mean, it's a summer. It's a summer still. It's not over yet. So people are still enjoying it. So, But I think that as we get into the election season, I think PDI is going to be more of an issue. I think people are going to add up themselves. I mean, if you bring it up, people have an opinion on it. There's no... <laughs> There's no doubt about it. So not everybody brings it up necessarily. But but yeah, I think that's going to be opinion. I hear a lot of people talking about affordable housing and not just for people of lower income, but just the fact that these are too expensive in Peterborough. I mean, I, I guess... One of the real estate, real estate or something, put it about four hundred fifty thousand dollars for the average home. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> and I know housing keeps going up, but I don't know how anyone is supposed to be able to afford a house at that kinds of rates. I certainly can't see myself ever in the future, you know, having a house of that. Um, yeah, one of the other candidates I spoke to, I believe the someone running in town, or Jenny uh, Lanico, was uh, saying that yes, there's a shortage of affordable housing, but there's a shortage of housing across the board. In other exactly. words, for for seniors who who live in their own home, but you know their kids are now adults, they've moved away, and so they're overhoused. So they want to downsize, but there's nothing smaller for them to move into. That right? Yeah, that's a good point. And that's I think one of the things that the city did that was good, even though the province was forcing them to do it anyway so i don't know if they would have come up with it on their own but was allowing the legality of you know secondary suites so that people so this would help people their seniors for example to to stay in their home and you know and and offer housing to somebody at the same time they could stay in their higher you know their their larger home but renovate the basement or renovate a part of their home so that it could be great okay yeah, that makes sense. Okay, now you've mentioned a few times the casino. Of course, the casino is a done deal. It's being built as we speak. Yeah. How is that going to play out? Well, yeah, I don't know down the, the road. I know a lot of people are still very much against it. Um, you know, it. but the big thing to me is that I remember, you know, I'm old enough and I've been here in Peterborough long enough to remember when we basically voted no to a casino years ago. And so they ended up building outside the city limits. And most of the people that are going there are from Peterborough. So they have free buses to it. So I'm not sure how that really stops anybody, you know, for people that are worried about people gambling. I, I totally understand that. But I don't see how that actually stops people from going to gamble when they have free buses there, you know, and, and cheap meals and everything else. So to me, it makes more sense. We, we should be having that revenue if most of our people are going there. And I, and I think it might open up a, a hub for, um, you know, recreation. And, you know, I understand they're building a hotel complex there as well. So I know some are worried that it might pull business away from the downtown, that that might be an issue. But I think it could bring more jobs. Um, I wish that it was unionized jobs because i understand it won't be or it certainly it won't be government jobs you know like some people used to hope when a casino you know would open their neighborhood and and so forth so i wish it was just because they pay better and have better benefits so tell me what are you um, thinking about the official plan review and how that will play out will the city make good on its commitment for public consultation and will people have their say and on the other side of it will will citizens bother or is it too abstract yeah, that's, that's both of those are really interesting questions. There is is well, I guess it's one question, but the the fact of it being abstract is a lot of people don't 
you know, necessarily have a head for this or have an interest in it. I can honestly say that until I started, you know, really getting involved in city politics at the beginning of this year, I didn't realize that it actually is quite interesting when you start delving into it. You know, and when you just hear stuff in the news, you're like, oh, this was zoned and that was zoned. Who cares? You know, but then when you start to see the whole picture. Um, I want to mention something with the casino first because it relates to this. The thing that should have still happened with the casino was that we should have had buy-in from regardless of whether I think it's a good deal or anybody else thinks it's a good deal. It should have been something that should have been deliberated upon and decided by, like I mentioned, city citizen councils or perhaps a referendum or something along. I think we owe it to our citizens to have a say in that. And that should have happened if we didn't have citizen committees and more outreach than we should have had a referendum. I prefer having the citizen committees because referendum, you're usually just asking a question and you don't know if anyone's done any research on it. Whereas with these citizen committees, the idea is every people from all sides of the issue deliberate with people. And then from there, they actually decide. So as far as official plan goes, if we want to get more involved, be more people involved in it, we're going to have to push the city to make sure that they get um, because otherwise they won't. And I know some of the sometimes the attitude is, um, well, we have these meetings and hardly anybody shows up and everything. Well, the reason hardly anybody shows up is because when pe- when the public does show up to meetings and they show you that they're dead set against an idea, you go ahead and do what you want anyway. <laughs> So that's not going to have people showing up. You, you know, this is one of the things with citizen councils, well, is that you will have to get people to realize that their input actually is valued and is used. And then right. you'll get more people coming out. If they if they don't think that they're going to be listened to, then of course. Right. And on that note, well, Jason Walworth, thank you so much for coming by and oh, best of you. luck on your campaign. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This has been a great opportunity.